It is good to see everybody this morning. Merry Christmas. Let's go ahead and start. It is good to see you, and as Lisa said, this is our family. And if this is your first Sunday here, the good news is it can be your family too. So let's begin in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come in a free country and worship your name. And Father, we pray that today that as the work goes forth, that God, our minds will be open, that in our hearts, as you said, will be further. That God, that we might read, but not just 30 or 60, God, we want to further time that our minds might see things differently, the right way. God, if we're on the wrong track, God, show us, give us revelation. The God that we might serve you more. In your name we pray. Amen. How many people uh, uh, have Christmas traditions that you kind of follow? Let me see your hand. You know, one of our traditions is last night. It was a beautiful Christmas uh, candlelight service. And uh, we came and, man, it just was wonderful. I, I, we enjoyed it. How many people open gifts on Christmas Eve the night before? Let's see your hand. Okay. How many opens Christmas morning? All right. Let me see. How many kind of is a hybrid? You open one gift maybe Christmas Eve and one all of them on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like when I grew up. We beat down, my sister and I beat down mom and dad so bad that they had eventually let us open at least one gift on Christmas Eve. Let, let me ask you this. How many people ever got a BB gun for Christmas? I, I'm sorry, that's a, not in there. saw that movie. Let me, let me begin with something funny this morning on Christmas Day. Three men pass away and they get to heaven and they're standing before St. Peter at the pearly gates. And uh, St. Peter said, you know, we're just not letting everybody into heaven these days. We want to make sure that you kind of know the, the, the tradition of Easter. I, I know this is Christmas, but Easter. And the first guy got up and he says, well, I, I think I can. I, I'm a pretty intelligent man. He says, uh, Easter was the day that uh, Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem and the United States won their freedom from Britain. They shoot fireworks. And uh, St. Peter said, no, wrong. Go to the end of the line. The second guy got up, and St. Peter said, can you tell us what Easter was about? And he said, yeah, that's when three wise men followed a star, and, and they came, and we sing Christmas carols and, and drink eggnog. And St. Peter said, no, no, you're talking about Christmas. What about Easter? And the third guy got up, and he said, Easter was to celebrate Jesus' ministry and what he did for mankind. And he was beaten and he was stabbed in the side and put on a cross and died for our sins. And, and he was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. And he came out of the tomb and saw his shadow and went back in. And we had winter for six more weeks. Now this morning we're going to be talking about, on Christmas Day, some of our traditions and some of the things that have been taught us, and, and kind of those things that have been taught us, we, we don't realize that they're just kind of made up. And, and sometimes we'll look at somebody that doesn't do kind of our tradition and go, what is wrong with you? Everybody knows you open gifts on Christmas Day. 
this morning, I want to kind of show you some things so that maybe we can reevaluate here at Christmas on Christmas Day and some of the thoughts of Christmas and what God has done for us. And I want to take today, just here at the end of the year, just for a short period of time, the group that we call the three wise men, or some call kings, and some call magi. And I want to just give you a quiz. It's an open book quiz. If you want to open the book, you can take the quiz. But let me ask you four quick questions. How many kings or magi were there? You don't have to say it out loud. Just keep it to yourself. How many kings or magi were there? Number two, what did the wise men or magi do for a living? What did they do for a living? And number three, what did they follow to find Jesus? And four, when did they arrive to worship Jesus? Now again, I, I just want to use these as an example and then, then we'll move on. But the, the first question was this, how many scholars or magi or kings were there? How many people answered three? <laughs> really, the truth of the matter is we don't know. Do you know there's some traditions that say there was only two? But there's also traditions that say there were four, and some even say that there were 12. The, the thought of three wise men didn't even come or wasn't first recorded until 200 years after the event. Do you know that there's some traditions that say that one church says they know the names of the three wise men, and there's one church that even says that they own the skulls of the wise men? Tradition. Tradition. The good news is, is if one of your children breaks one of the wise men in your nativity scene, it's okay. You can tell them there might have only been two. Let me give you a second question and then see if you, what you answered is, what did the Magi do for a living? See, if you answered king, they were kings. There, there's no record that we even know what they were. Chances are they were considered astrologers or even a Persian priest. And, and a lot of people will say that they were kings because of the expensive gifts that they gave. They're very expensive. And sometimes we undervalue them, but at that time, very, very expensive. And the second one is that they were rich enough to take months off and travel to find a baby. So they had incredible wealth, but really just astrologers. Now, even though that in this time period, the Jewish people didn't believe in astrology, that even in the Roman world, it was considered a very uh, a respectful profession, that they would make signs, you know, out of the, the stars and the, the uh, astrologers would predict things like what we know today as horoscopes and things like that. And, and the Caesars would be very, very uh, uh, considerate of these people. Uh, even Herod, which was supposedly the representative, the puppet king of the Jewish people, he, he respected them so much, that's why we know that he put so much stock that he wanted to know what they knew. Of course, we know why he wanted that, because he wanted to kill the person, the baby, that they said was going to be the future king of the Jewish people. Now, let me give you the third question. 
What did they follow to find Jesus? Here's the real answer. We don't know. Now, I know that the Bible says, but in Numbers, the, the verse says this, in Numbers chapter 24, which is the Old Testament, a star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. We don't know if the Magi knew that verse, but we do know that Matthew knew that verse. And that's why it's described as a star. But at the same time, it was a supernatural act that we can all agree on that God did to, again, give the revelation that his son was being born on that day. Now, let me give you the fourth one. When did they arrive to follow Jesus? And of course, all good believers and Christians would say, well, we know, right? Sometime that day on Christmas morning, maybe before the shepherds or maybe after the shepherds, but around brunch probably. And the truth of the matter is, that the Bible says that they did not show up, and, but they showed up and went into the house where he was. And if you know that they were in an inn, so they weren't really, they shouldn't even be represented or represented in the nativity scene because they were not there in the inn or in the stable outside the inn. They didn't arrive on the scene, some think, until Jesus was fully walking, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years old. I know how that is because I have two grandsons that are just now starting to walk. And let me tell you, are they starting to walk? They're over there. No, they're over there. They're getting older. So let me ask you, how did you do on the quiz? A little quiz like this doesn't, you know, mean a lot. And, and maybe you've heard something in a certain way that kind of makes Christmas for you. But I want you to look at this, that one explanation of the star which I love the wise men's story because they were seekers. And you and I are seekers. We want to know more about God. That's why we come on Sundays. We hear about the Word of God and how God is in our life and inside of us, the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. As they've gone back in history and, and they've studied the, the placement of the stars, here's one theory. On April 17, uh, in the year 6 B.C., a remarkable event took place in astrology. On that day, the moon passed in front of Jupiter in the constellation Aries. I can tell by the blank look on some of your face, you're going, what in the world are you talking about? Just stick with me. Jupiter is named after the supreme deity of the ancient Romans. Now look, watch this. So Jupiter would have signified a king. Aries the ram was the zodiac symbol for the ancient kingdom of Judea. On that day, the sun, the moon, and Saturn were all nearby and within the sign of Aries the ram. All of these would have been recognized by astronomers of that day as indicating the birth of an incredibly powerful great king. Another event also happened that in, in the heavens that year. On De in December, it says that Jupiter underwent what's called a retrograde action. It's an optical illusion created by the orbit of the planets. As the Earth orbit catches up to another planet such as Jupiter, the planet's movement across the sky appears to slow down and stop. So here's what might have happened. The astrologers of that day recognized 
uh, recognize we're continually looking at the skies to, to get great events or disasters that would be taking place. Ancient stargazers described in detail that the celestial conditions of the birth of kings and emperors. On a particular day, a planetary arrangement took place that could show only one thing, the birth of a great king in Judah. His signs were recognized as greater than signs of the great king of that time, Caesar Augustus. They understood this sign as did Herod because they understood Greek astrology. As they approached Bethlehem, Jupiter underwent a retrograde action which made it look like it went ahead and stood over where Jesus was. Now, I don't believe in horoscopes and things like that, but I do believe that our God is able to do things that are unexplainable and the impossible. And on that day, possibly what I just read, here's these group of people that lived maybe thousands of miles, we don't know, away from Bethlehem, but they were seeking and they saw something great in the heaven. And they said, we want to go and find what this means. Let me tell you the story from really what we believe in the Bible. And it's found in Matthew chapter 2. It says this, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, I always thought this was interesting because they're assuming everybody knows that there's a king being born. He, they go on to say, we have seen his star as it arose and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by this question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers and religious of the religious law. Where did prophets say that the Messiah would be born, he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you're not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will... Be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men asking them to come see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way once again, and the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Isn't that a beautiful story? That here are these three guys that are possibly kings, but for sure magi, they were astrologers, had come seeking and now they had found what they were looking for. Now, throughout our lives we go and sometimes if we're not careful we begin to believe traditions 
that God's word never says about us. We've been taught a tradition or traditions that are not truthful. We want to believe something that benefits us even if it's not true. You know, sometimes people get out of whack and they don't even realize the reason for Christmas. And if you live in the United States, it's not hard to to get caught up into the season of how busy we all are. Years ago, I, I read a story about a lady, her and her friend was going by a courthouse. And the courthouse had a nativity scene. Baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and course the wise men there even though they weren't supposed to be there but they were there and the two ladies were walking by and one of them looked at the other her friend and said look at that the religious people are even trying to get Christianity into Christmas sometimes we don't realize the truth that Jesus is the reason for the season. We're not trying to get Jesus into Christmas. He is Christmas. Another thing is we want to believe something because we can think inside of the box like everybody else. We don't know why we do our traditions. And sometimes when we are asked, why is it that you do that? Sometimes you scratch your head and said, well, my mother always did it. My father always did it. That's what I always heard you do. Years ago, I heard another story that's one of my favorite on traditions. is a newly married couple sit down to eat dinner one night. And the wife brought out one of the hams that she had bought and, and, and laid it down in front of her newlywed husband. And he looked at the ham and said, what happened to the ham? And she said, what do you mean? He said, well, both ends are cut off of the ham. Why did you cut the ends off of the ham? And she says, well, my mother always did it. So after eating a little bit, he says, I, 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 gotta, I, I can't eat anymore. I just got to find out why did your mother do that? So they called up mom and she said, well, <laughs> well, the reason I did, <laughs> well, <laughs> my mother always did it. So they had three-way calling, and so mom was on the line, so they called grandma. They got grandma on the horn, and they said, Hey, grandma, we were sitting down eating, and why, why did you always cut off the ends of the ham? She said, Well, the reason I cut it off crazy is because I only had little, little pans that it would fit. See, all this time, they thought, That's the way you cook ham. You cut the ends off. They never go back to the original. You know, when you think about it, Jesus rose from the dead, but the religious, the religious people at the time told the guards, if you remember the story, to tell, tell this story. The disciples came and stole his body. And the Bible says in Matthew, the story was believed as truth among the people. Jesus was crucified for our sins, but people get it so mixed up that they blame the Jewish people for killing the Messiah. 
Jesus came and had a ministry, and, and his ministry was to teach his disciples the truth about the kingdom of God. But even up to the Last Supper, they were arguing who was the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus tells a, a story about the sheep and the or the sheep and the goats, which really is interpreted if if you read it that there's a lot of people that just won't get it. They'll have the talk of being a believer, but they just won't have the walk of a believer. This morning is Christmas Day. And we celebrate in Luke chapter 2, a lot of times even our family, when Gwen's family will arrive, will read the Christmas story and again remind us of what God did for us in sending His Son. But a few days later, they take Jesus to the temple for dedication. And there's a man there named Simeon. And he holds the baby and he speaks to Mary. And he prophesies this. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign, and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This morning, what does Christ reveal this Christmas? What are the thoughts of your heart? See, to think outside of the box and not just go along with everybody else's thoughts, sometimes you can feel the pressure that your heart will be revealed and somebody will know that you maybe think different than everybody else. When you hear songs at Christmas that talk about Emmanuel, that God is with us, God is in us. Let me just end my sermon by saying this, that a lot of times in the world that we live in, even though that we live in the world, we know that we are not of this world, the Bible says, that our home is heaven, that we're going to. But as we're here on earth, that we don't just put everything on hold until we get to heaven. But at the same time, as we're here on this earth, that we do not allow the traditions of man to speak into our life. We allow the Word of God to change our life, change our thinking, changes our life and our destiny. Let me give you this. There's lies that say, you know, God is making a list and checking it twice to see if you've been naughty or nice. And most of us get to the end of the day and go, not good enough. But I speak to you today, grace and mercy in your life. And as you come to the end of this year and we celebrate Christmas, receive the gift of grace in your life. Pastor, I just go to church on Christmas. It's okay. Ask for forgiveness of your sins. God says, I will come into your life and be with you. There's a lie that's going around that everybody kind of buys into that you're not significant, especially to the people that are around you. That everybody's just an ocean of people on this earth and really you just live a few years and die. Don't allow that lie, that tradition to speak into your life and not 
give you the understanding that God thinks you're so valuable that not only did he die for our sins, but he promises to live inside of us with his Holy Spirit. Another lie is that you're not blessed to be a blessing. And see, that sounds so trivial. No, no. But we know that the, the easy way of thinking is everything that we get is ours. But isn't it a wonderful time at Christmas that you realize that our country is more generous than any other time? And maybe you are too. And we see things that happen and we go, oh no, I'm going to be a blessing in that situation. God has blessed us to be a blessing. That's why we call our coffee shop Axiom. Axiom Coffee really stands for being blessed and we are blessed to be a blessing. Let me give you this last one. that Christmas represents just a jolly time of year where we can be with family, even though that that's good. Christmas represents the birth of Jesus, but here, even more than the birth of Jesus, it represents how much God loves us, how much he loves us. We don't know that Jesus was born actually on December 25th, but we celebrate a day so that we can stop and we can say, wow. A lot of times in your life, you might think, you know what? I get busy. I get tired. I, I, I just, I just. But through the years, you stop at this day and you say, you know what, God? I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't care how I'm feeling. I'm going to go by faith that God, your word says that you love me so much that you came to this earth as a man to again die on a cross for me. Would you bow your heads with me? Let me encourage you, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, maybe because you don't know how much he loves you. And at Christmas, as we again put out all the different traditions of men and, and kind of just, just kind of boil it down to the core. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that who will ever believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to have a Merry Christmas. That's a reason to stop and say, thank you, God. And this morning, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus died and God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. This morning, if you'll just say, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. The Word of God, not John Miller. I'm telling you what the Word says, the Bible says. The Bible says that God says that He will come into your life and be with you. He will never leave you. He will never depart from you. 
You can even go through the valley of shadow of death. You don't have to fear no evil. Why? Because he is with you all the way. It gives us peace, which was promised, peace on this earth. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that you came this morning. I know that it was a short service, but just in this short time that we were able to make him the priority of our day. Would you stand with me? Here's one thing you have to do before you leave. Tell somebody hi and have a Merry Christmas. Amen. You're dismissed.